Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, saints and ain'ts, welcome to another Unplugged Service JBLM podcast. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by loving God, loving people, fostering connection, and cultivating community. My name is Chaplain Kevin L. Betton Jr. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to rate our podcast, review it, and please give us five stars. If you give us four stars, I am inclined to believe that you are a hater and the altar is open for you. And with no further delay, today's message comes from yours truly, Chaplain Kevin Betton Jr. Amen. Are you enjoying the presence of the Lord already? Unplugged. How y'all doing? Amen. Oh man, I was like, are we enjoying the presence of the Lord today? Amen. Woo! Oh, I'm excited to be here. Amen. I'm excited because Miss Ann and Eric Bruce are back in the building. It's so good to see our family. Amen. So good to see you. We've been praying for you all. It's so glad to see that you all are doing well. Amen. How's everybody week been? Everybody doing pretty good. Anybody had a good week? You just wait your hand if you had a good week. If you had a tough one, it's all right. Amen. I see you, Daniel. All right. Good stuff. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Chaplain Kevin Benton. I'm the senior pastor here for at least uh, another hour, uh, you know, here. We're, for those of you that don't know, we're actually going to be doing what is called our change of soul at the end of the service on today. That will be the transfer in spiritual leadership um, of the unplugged service. So I'm getting ready to uh, process and uh, get ready to PCS uh, coming up next month and everything. And so on today, uh, please let, uh, you know, we want to clap our hands. We're going to be installing Chaplain Christian Garcia as the senior pastor of unplugged. So that we desired that Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish 
in you the same grace also. So the same thing they did, we want you to do the same thing as well. Therefore, as you abound and you have great abundance in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. In the same way that you got great faith, he says, in the same way that you got all of this great stuff going on, we want you to have the same abundance in your giving. He says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of the others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know that the grace of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that yea, through his poverty, we might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun, therefore, but not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. And there now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that there would be a readiness to will, so that there may be performance also out of which ye have. All right, next one. And for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man have, and not according to that he have not. I hate this version, and I'm trying to act like I don't. Please go to CSB. Amen. It's getting on my nerves. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be deep. No, uh, that's getting on my nerves. I'm not King James. <laughs> Let me know when we're ready. <laughs> what verse did we end on, y'all? 13? All right, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, all right, uh, I'm going to just read it. I know Dante, you'll pull it up. Uh, in, in, a, in a better version, CSB, it says, It is not, therefore, that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it's a question of equality. Verse 14. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need and in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not give too much, and the person who had little did not give too little. We're going to flip over with a whole, much, a whole lot easier to chapter 9, verse 6. Chapter 9, verse 6. And he says, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as they have decided in their heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, because God loves, y'all know this, the what? A cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He says, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God for us. May the Lord have a blessing to his word. Please have your seats. Today, we're going to talk about, we're going to come to you on the subject of a heart of thanksgiving. All right, so I want to tell, not Jesus, but I'm going to tell my own parable. So there was this uh, this father named Tony. You can go ahead and put the scripture on the, um, excuse me, the picture on the Tony had three sons, Marcus, Nathan, and David. And when his sons turned 21, Tony, the father, gave an overwhelming portion of everything that he had. He gave a bunch of his money and his wealth equally to his three sons. Marcus, next one, Marcus, the oldest son, he invested a portion of his, of his wealth, and it multiplied. And it multiplied so well, chapter nobles, that eventually he was able to take all of that money that his father had given to him, and he was able to give that back 
to his father. That was Marcus. Nathan, the middle son, he invested everything he had into giving into a foundation for improving the lives of people in poverty. So the first son, Marcus, he makes his money double, gives it back to his father. His second son, Nathan, he invests all of the money into building a place for people that are less fortunate than him. And David, the youngest son, he ended up getting robbed of all of his inheritance. But because of his great heart and desire to honor the gift that his father had given him, he spent his life running the foundation, next picture, he spent his life running the foundation that his father had built. So I want to ask you a question today, and I want you to shout out the answer. Which one of those sons, who gave the greatest gift in that story? What do you think? Anybody? The third son. The third son, the one who invested, who gave his life. He got robbed, and so he dedicated his life to running the foundation. All right, anybody else got anything else? Who think? What do you think? Who gave the greatest out of everyone in that story? Middle child, all right, the, uh, you said the middle child. Anybody say the first one? Let's go, go ahead and go. First one, Marcus, who invested his money and gave it back to his father. How many of y'all believe Marcus was the best one? All right, nobody. Marcus don't like, all right. And Nathan, the middle son, who gave everything and invested it to building that foundation for people, helping people that are less fortunate than them. Let me see your votes. All right, all right, I see a few. All right, and then the last one, David, the youngest son, who got robbed, but he spent his whole life running the foundation that his brother built. Where are your folks at? All right, now, in actuality, the person who gave the most, who was the greatest gift in the story, was the father. A lot of times, we focus on the gift and what was done with the gift, but we don't think about the giver of the gift. A lot of times, we look at the things and we celebrate all of the things that have happened with what God has given to us, but we forget where those blessings actually came from. And, and sometimes, I don't believe it's intentional, but sometimes unintentionally, we can begin to put more focus on the great things and the wonderful things that have been done with the gift, and we can tend to put on the back burner, giving glory to God, who is the giver of every perfect gift. Somebody say amen. amen. So this Thursday, Coles, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. And the history of this holiday originates when pilgrims came and they settled in Massachusetts from England way back in 1620. During a harsh winter that they had, they stayed on the ship because they did not know how to live off of the land. And so half the crew died of disease and malnutrition. And those that did survive, when they came off the ship, they were met by one of the Native uh, Americans that was there. And he forged an alliance between the tribe that was living in that area. He brokered a deal with them to help out these people that had came across the waters and were dying because they did not know how to live off the land. So he brokers a deal with them, and because of their gratitude to this person for brokering that deal, they had this big feast when they started learning how to plant and grow corn and all this other stuff and hunt and, and fish and different things like that. They decided when the harvest came in that year, in the next November, that they were going to celebrate with a big feast. And that is the reason that we now celebrate Thanksgiving is because of what happened way back in 1620. One of the pilgrims chronicled Edward Winslow, he stated, the Native Americans went out and killed five deer, and when they had brought them to the plantation and bestowed them upon our governor and upon the captains and others, watch what he says. He says, by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. 
He recognizes that even though it was the individual that brokered the deal, even though it was them that taught them how to fish, that taught them how to plant corn and grow it and live off of the ground, he didn't give glory to the individual that brokered the deal. He didn't give glory to the people that taught them how to fish. He didn't give glory to the Native Americans that brokered the deal instead of fighting against them. He understood the importance of giving glory to God. Somebody say amen. Winslow understood that he could acknowledge the generosity and the vital role of the Native Americans and how they played a successful part in the harvest. Yet at the end of the day, he was smart enough to realize that it was the goodness of God that made it all possible. And this week, we will begin to enter into the busiest and most commercialized season of the entire year. People are going to travel from all around the world to see friends and families. We're going to see great gestures of, of kindness and, and, and different things that people are going to do. And then on Black Friday, people will start spending millions of dollars going out and buying stuff that other people don't need. But we're doing it for a good reason because we want to celebrate the birth of Christ. But today, we must pause and be reminded that no matter how good the deed is that people do on Thanksgiving, no matter how expensive or generous people are with their offering, or even how thoughtful the gift is, all of it is made possible because of the overwhelming goodness of God. I'm grateful for every gift that I'm going to get. I'm grateful for every person that's going to be out there and that's going to be doing things for the homeless and doing things for people that are less fortunate than them. But at the end of the day, the glory doesn't go to the person that had the great idea. The glory does not go to the person who gave even out of their sacrificial giving to be a blessing to someone else. Every good and perfect gift, the reason that it happens is because God first gave it to us. Somebody say amen. So my point number one, point number one is that the gift is never greater than the giver. Somebody say amen. amen. When was the last time that we allowed ourselves to meditate on just how good God really is? When was the last time we walked into our homes and said, my God, look at this huge house, this apartment that I live in. I'm so grateful to God for the ability to have this home. How many of us, when we cranked up our cars when it was cold this morning and we scraped all that ice off of it, how many of us got on the cars and said, God, I'm just thankful for heat. I'm thankful for a car to drive that I ain't got to take the bus to get to church. How many of us, when we go to our jobs, we're not complaining about the duty station we're in, but we're grateful that we have a job and that we have an income and that people ain't coming to visit us on Thanksgiving and bring us a meal. When was the last time we really sat, and I mean really, really meditated upon the goodness of God? Do you know, do we know that there are people that were killed to have the problems that we have? We get mad because the Wi-Fi ain't working. We get mad because the speed on the Wi-Fi is too slow. We get upset over things that people would kill to have these problems. To just We water our grass when there are people in the world that don't even have water to drink. When was the last time we thought about the goodness of God in the clothes that we wear, the jobs that we work, the spouse and the children that we have, and how we have enough and more than enough, many of us, to give them everything that they need? And matter of fact, some of us, we've given them everything that they want. We spend so much time thinking about the gift, but when was the last time we thought about the giver? When was the last time you thought about the giver? God is not only generous. This is what I love about God. The Bible says he delights to meet our needs. 
He smiles at the opportunity and the privilege to be a blessing to us. Watch this when he don't have to. God don't owe us nothing, Dante. He don't have to wake us up in the morning. That alarm clock is not what woke us up, even though we got mad at it, so let's do it across the room, or we hit that snooze button three, four times. I know y'all with them extra alarms and everything. It's not the alarm clock that wakes us up. It's not the alarm clock. Every day we wake, Lamentation says, the mercies of God are new every morning. I love what he said. He didn't say the grace of God is new every morning. He said the mercy of God, Alba, is new every morning. What's the difference, Chapman? I'm so glad that you asked. Grace is when God gives us something that we don't deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give us something that we do deserve. So is there anybody in here on today that can say, hey, I'm grateful for God's grace, but there are some things in my life that God ain't just been gracious in. He's been merciful in the punishment, in the discipline, in the correction that I should have gotten. It was God that covered it in his mercy, not just his grace. Is there anybody on I am standing here today not just because of God's grace, Tony. It is because of his, it's because of his, his mercy. Psalms 145 and 16, he says, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Not some living thing. He says, all God's got to do is open up his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. Philippians 4 and 19 says, my God shall supply all of your needs. He could have cut it right there and just hit a period. But he says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Is there anybody here that can just say, hey, I ain't just to have my needs supplied. God's going to give me some riches. You might not be grateful for it, but God's been good. Matthew 6 and 8 says, your father knows the things you need even before you ask. My God. In the same way that all but her husband, excuse me, uh, Becky and her husband are meeting the needs of their children even before they were born, buying cribs and buying formula, buying clothes. Do you know that God, before we were even born, was making plans for our life? Making arrangements so that we would run into certain people, put and run into certain positions and certain places where God could be a blessing to us. Psalms 37 and 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous abandoned nor their children begging for bread. Watch this. He says, he is always generous. He is always lending and his children are a blessing. How many of us have ever read through the scriptures and you just had to stop and been overwhelmed at the amount of gratitude and generosity that God is just overflowing in his goodness? He's not just a good God. He's a great God. He's an awesome God. He's a marvelous God. He's a magnificent God. I don't get too happy that we can, we can say a point one all day. God is a good God. I wish uh, Kyla was here. Last week she sung this, we sung this song. It says that if God closed the grass of the field, if he closed the grass of the field, which is here today, and is thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? He dresses the lilies. Some of us walk around here in Jordans and Prada and Louis Vuitton. And it doesn't matter. It can be fruit of the loom. There are people that don't even have clothes. God has been good to us. Somebody say God's been good. God's been good. And so in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul speaks to them and he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he 
he was the God, Eric, of all of the universe. Watch what he said. He says, for your sake, he became poor. The God who built the world, Jasmine, came down here and didn't have a bed to sleep in. The God who is the God of the universe, who is the creator and the father of all things, died and was abandoned at the cross by his own father who turned his back on him because of our sins so that he would never have to turn his back on us. God has been good. And the purpose of God giving us gifts is to display his character and attributes. It's so that everything that God has given, when he provides for us, Alexia, it's so he, we will know that God is provided. When he heals our body, it's not just because he wants to be it. He wants us to know, I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your strong tower. I am your father. I am your friend. Whatever you need me to be, I'm doing this for you so you learn more about me. Somebody say amen. So, so we, we, we want to pay more attention to the substance, not just the symbol. We want to pay attention, Kendall, to the substance, not just the symbol. When women, when we get married, you know that Beyonce song, you know, we put a ring on it. It's not the ring that we appreciate. It's the person who gave the ring. The ring is just the symbol, but praise God, I hope that it's not the substance. The ring is the symbol of the love, but we don't thank the ring, we thank the person who gave us the ring. And so in the same way, with all of the things that God has done for us, we, the gift is never greater than the giver. Point number two on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we are blessed to be a blessing. Somebody say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Y'all got to say it like y'all got some money in the bank. Y'all got to say it like God be good. Say, I am blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Everything that we have was given to us by God. Doesn't matter whether it's our children, doesn't matter whether it's a promotion, doesn't matter whether it's a car, everything we have, it belongs to God. And it was given to us by Him. Psalms 24 and 1 says, watch what it says here. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and its inhabitants, it belongs to the Lord. He, we, are, we are the caretakers. We're the managers. We're the custodians. We are the sons and daughters who he has given the delegated responsibility to faithfully steward everything he has entrusted us with. The car, my family doesn't just belong to me. This is exactly the reason why Becky and her husband came and dedicated their children to God. Because they said, God, you gave us these children. Now we're giving them back unto you. Well, everything that you have given unto me, I'm going to faithfully steward it. But I won't get into the mindset that it belongs to me. Everything that has been given, it belongs to Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4 and 10, he says, watch what he says. He says, just as each one of us has received a gift, watch what he says, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. How am I using my house, my car, my job, my finances to serve other people? Or am I just storing it up in the bank just for me? Just for me and my family. Am I thinking about, have we given any thought to all of the food that we're going to make on Thanksgiving, how we can be a blessing to somebody else? The car that we drive, do we stay at home or do we come and get in the car, even in the middle of the bitter cold, and say, I'm going to come into the house of worship, not just on Sunday, but whenever the doors swing open, I'll be in the cabins, I'll be in Bible study, but I'm not going to stay home and drive home and stay in 
but he's the giver of the gift. So he says in 2 Corinthians in our, in our book 9 and 6 to 8, he says the person who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will reap generously. He says every person should do as they have decided in their heart. And not reluctantly or out of compulsion. This is why I don't we not. We don't even ask you for a certain amount. We don't ask you. We don't beg you to give. Because we want it to come out of the goodness of your heart. What do you want to bring to Jesus? If you're comfortable and your finances said all you're going to give is $5. Or I'm not going to give nothing after all God has given to me. We leave that completely between you and God. But every person should give out of the kindness of their heart. Not reluctantly or compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Watch what he says here. He says, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you. So that in every way you will always have everything that you need. Watch the condition. And excel in every good work. What good is it for God in to meet our needs, but we never go out and meet the needs of our community? Amen. What good would it be for the unplugged service for us to continuously build up money in our sub account and not use it to be a blessing to our community? What good is it for us to have thousands of dollars in our account and never go out and do anything for the people that we, we work and serve in our community? Because when God sees that he, we will take what he has given us and use it to be a blessing, he will ensure that we always operate out of the overflow. When God finds a cheerful giver, Monica, he's like, look, give her some more money because I know she's going to take that money and be a blessing to somebody else. Oh, my God, you gave her a promotion? Give her a promotion at work because she's going to train up the next individual and train them to take their place. This person got a car man. Give him a Lexus because I know he's going to go around and pick up other people in it. God says, if you are going to be a blessing, I'll make sure that your bank account never reaches you. Right? He blesses us. So that we can be a blessing. Next one says, and you will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Watch that right there. Watch what he says. You'll be enriched in every way with all generosity. And what does it do? When we are generous, it produces thanksgiving to God. When we're doing this the right way, Daniel, what happens is we are a blessing to the community and people don't praise the unblood church. They don't praise chapter nobles. The glory then goes to God himself. That's why God says, I want you to be a cheerful giver because then people won't look at the gift. They'll say, man, them people over there must really be saved. They must have a real good relationship with God. I want to go and find out what's going on over there that's compelling them to give so generously. It's about being a blessing. And he says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we're generous in our giving, God says it will overflow. I, I watched the women that, uh, uh, this weekend have such a wonderful time in their expressions to God and how their worship to God was overflowing because of the generosity of one person. Who says that, hey, I want to take all of this and I've got something that I want to do to be a blessing to the women. And it's not about what I can get in return. It's about how much of a blessing can I be to these women. It came because somebody decided that they wanted to be a blessing. Last verse, he says, because of the proof provided by this ministry. But the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. Next verse, go on. 
Okay. He says, because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of Jesus Christ. Chapter, uh, excuse me, point number three, giving is a heart issue. Mm -hmm. Giving is a heart issue. Giving has nothing to do with our income and everything to do with our character. Doesn't have anything to do with how much money we have in the bank. There are several examples of scripture of people who gave an enormous amount of money and, and Jesus was like, man, that, that don't mean nothing. But poor people who gave just the last that they had and God said their faith was greater than the person who gave plenty. He says it's not about your income it's about our heart. What's in our heart in this Thanksgiving season? Are we only thinking about what we can receive, or are we focused on how much we can give? Go to uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. He says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by their affliction and their abundant joy and their extreme poverty, they overflowed in wealth of generosity. These people were in poverty in Macedonia, but they said, we still want to be a blessing. They were in a poverty condition, didn't have much, but Paul was blown away at the level of their generosity and their giving. He says, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, watch me, he says, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing. They begged, he said, these people don't have much, Eric, but they're begging us, says, hey man, all we want to do is be a blessing to the saints at Jerusalem. What do they need? Even if in the book of Acts, we're going to get to that, the people sold their belongings and said, hey, look, we don't have much, but if I got to go sell something that I do have, I want to make sure that the people in Jerusalem are taken care of. Man, if the church had that kind of attitude in this 2022, if we said, hey, I got too many clothes in my closet, all the brothers, this is your cue to say amen, but do it so silently, all them shoes that you got in your closet, that the women that we don't need, brothers, all the coats and stuff, if we sold some of that stuff and took it and gave it to somebody less fortunate, how can we change and impact the world? I love this quote by Howard Hendricks. He says, if you have something that you can't give away, perhaps you don't own it, maybe it owns you. What's in your closet, what's in your house that you can honestly say right now, I'm not going to ask you to shout it out, I'm not giving that away. Laptops, phones, shoes, clothes, what's in your closet that if somebody else was in need, you wouldn't give it away? Maybe we don't own it. Maybe it owns us. When we understand the eternal value of our giving, we will plead for the privilege to give. Hey, man, where the QR code at? I'm going to give. Where's the QR code at, man? Where do I find that popple device at? Because I got money in the bank, but this Thanksgiving, all the people that's going to be here on Thanksgiving, our dinner is taken care of. Chaplain Ben, how can we give to the people that are going to be here on Thanksgiving? How can we, hey, what, what kind of food do you need? Do you need somebody to make corn? What about drinks? You got drinks? Do you got rolls? Hey, man, I can cook something. What do you need? What would happen at the church? We could turn this community upside down if we were pleading for the privilege to give to other people. We've got our Thanksgiving dinner planned out, but how many of us are looking and saying, hey, there's going to be something going on here because everybody here ain't got a family to go home to. Somebody say amen. amen. Giving is an act of faith. It doesn't look at what we're losing, but it only looks at what we're gaining. 
So many of us, and, and this is not to beat us up, so many of us, we think about how much money that's going to take out of our account, but realizing that we serve a limitless God. We serve a God that God ain't running out of money. God ain't running out of resources. And if we will give out of it, God says, man, I got so much more I can give you, but you're holding on to that little bit because you think that that's something. God says money will come from all different other places. Resources will come from all different other places. If you would be, if we would be more concerned about giving than about what we're losing, God said, I'll make sure that your money never runs out. It's not about how much we're losing, but about how much we have to give. It's not a duplication, but God says, I operate in multiplication. He says, though that sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But those that sow bountifully or generously, you're going to reap generously. If I take a seed and I plant an apple seed in the ground, what grows? Not an apple. An apple tree. God says, if you will sow the apple seed, what will come back in return is not another apple. God says, I will take that seed and multiply it and create an apple tree that will be full of apples. But we got one seed and we sit scared and sow it into the ground. We see our finances, our resources, our time. Can we see our time as a seed? Can we stay up late to make sure that other people's stuff is taken care of and God will make us feel like we got eight hours of sleep even though we maybe only got four? Do you believe that God can do it? I've seen him do it. But God says, if we're more concerned about how much sleep we got, how much time we got, how much of this that we got, God says, I can multiply what little you give if we would just give it unto him. My last point, it is the heart of giving that gets God's attention. You really want to get God's attention? It's not just our prayer life. It's not just the money that we give. It's not just the time. It's not just our service, but it's the heart that we give. For those of us that would say, man, I'm just, I'm so excited about this Thanksgiving dinner that I'm plugging for. I'm so excited about this date night that y'all are going to be doing. Whatever y'all need to do to be able to give these couples out there that they had a date night in a long time, man, what do you need? Where's the background check so I can come and help take care of other people's kids and not just stay at home on my own? What can I do to be a blessing? Because my heart is to make sure that somebody else is taken care of. I love Eric. I'm going to pick on you because you sat in the front row. We had the date night a couple of weeks ago. He said I, he wanted to go out, and he could have made $400 going out there doing Uber Eats and DoorDash. But he said, no, nah, man, there was nobody else here, and I saw Catherine Beck needed help. So he stayed here all night long to make sure that the needs of the community were met. His heart was in to give, not what he could receive. Then he said, hey, man, man, Chapman Ben, you're short, and I love, it's so many of y'all that, like, look, Chapman Ben, go home, you go home to your family, we'll take care of this stuff, because we have, this church has a heart full of people who have a heart to just want to be a blessing to other people. So 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, he says, each person should give as they have decided in their heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, because God loves a, true, a cheerful giver. And the true test of giving is when we give to someone who can't give it back. Even sinners and atheists can loan money to somebody and then expect that money back. And y'all know what? Be like, look, where's my money, bro? You need to run my money. No, no. When can we give something to somebody that we won't get it back? We don't even look for it anymore. The true test is in our giving to people that can't give back. And we don't need a title. We don't need a position. We don't even need recognition in order to give. All we need, all of is a heart. We don't have to 
to be the senior pastor. We don't have to be a chaplain. We don't have to be the praise and worship leader. All we have to have is a heart. I love this, and this is where we close it right here in, in, in Acts. The Bible says, I, I quoted this before, it says, Now all the believers were together and had all things common. All the believers came together and they sold their possessions. Man, it's so easy to read that, but I, I, when we get to heaven and they got a DVD or streaming, I want to go back and look at those people that literally sold their stuff and their property and distributed the needs or the proceeds to all as any had need. Man, keep keep on. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Every day. It's hard to get some people now to come out to church two times a week. Ask them to come out to women's ministry and Bible study. Oh, man, you don't lost your mind. We in church every day. But they was in church every day in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joy and sincere hearts. Now, they didn't gave away a lot of stuff, but notice they still had food, they still had joy, and then most of all, they had a sincere heart. Keep going. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day, the Lord added to the number those that were being saved. God saw that the people in the book of Acts had a heart to give. He saw that these people were so overwhelmingly generous in their giving that they sold their possessions and he said, make that church grow. Mm -hmm. Not because they got fancy lights, not because they got an amazing sound system, not because they got great preaching, but because they have generosity. Because they have sacrificial giving. He said, I'll send people to that church and let them get saved in there because I know that their needs will be taken care of. So what are some of the things that we can give as I bring this to a close? We can give our time. We need some help in here. I'm letting you know now on Thursday, there are many people that have already said, hey, I'm bringing some stuff and I thank God for you, but we can do more. We've already allotted several hundred dollars to make sure that this meal will feed the entire community. But we could use some help in here for just one hour to help serve some people, to help put together tables and chairs, to clean up. Somebody say amen. amen. We could use some of just an hour of or two of your time, your attention. There's a lot of different areas in here. And I love, man, I love, I wish uh, Ashley was in here. I love watching the McPherson girls. And they, they were running and all those kids were running. We want to get the signs so that we can go outside in the door and greet people when they came in. I watched the excitement in the unplugged kids, man, that just wanted to hold up signs because they just wanted to give some attention to the people that are walking in the door so you feel better about your day when you see the signs as we've been praying for you. The little kids and unplugged kids, they caught it. Maybe you could give your talent. Some of us in here are really good with social media. Maybe, hey, hey, chapel, baby, y'all need some help with the Instagram in the church. Y'all need some help with the YouTube or the podcast. Uh, maybe you need some help uh, running the camera every week. Uh, I can click a button and I know how to work a computer. Can I run the slide? There's so many different places in here that we could use your help. I don't mind. I'm just happy that you come in and sit down. But I promise you, if you get active, you'll meet some new people, you'll make some new friends, you'll develop some new relationships, and God will bless the generosity of your time, attention, and your talents. And I promise you, with our team, whatever it is that you're talented at, we'll make room for you. We'll find room for whatever it is that you can do. If I don't even care if you ain't got all your teeth. Just smile when people come through the door, and we're happy for you. We just want, we, we want to get to know you, and we want to utilize your talents. And then last of all, your treasure. 
I've seen people that when the church was hot, Tony, went out and a brother came in and he bought seven fans for the church. He said, I want everybody to feel comfortable when they come in. I've seen people bring in music stands, people donating guitars. People say, hey, man, i got so much stuff in the house. Can the church use this? I watched somebody last week bring in a printer, but they said, I'm tired of this paper pack with my name written on it. So can somebody bring a printer? We had people buying ink. We had people doing all kinds of stuff because they said, hey, look, I just want to give up my treasure. I got so much, and I know the church can use it. So what, what, what can I give? Today, Becky and her children and her husband gave their children and offered it back up to God. And as I prepare to uh, close now for the last time, I have been um, entrusted with the honor and privilege of serving this church for over a year. And today, I give it back to God. He gave it to me and entrusted me with the opportunity and the privilege to serve you all. And it has been the honor of my life to be the servant, the chief servant, of this place. And so I have no worries. People kept asking me, hey man, how do you feel? You know, you, you get ready to leave it. And I said, man, if I've done my job right with what God entrusted me with, then I've set the team up for success and I ain't got to worry. I can go on to C4 and go on and do great things because the church don't belong to me. If unplugged folds just because Chaplain Staten and Chaplain Benton left, then we are doing something seriously wrong. The church belongs to God. And now my responsibility is to go take care of my bride and let God take care of his. Would you stand to your feet? Today, if you don't know the Lord and the pardon of your sins, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to offer you the opportunity to receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And that is to enter into a relationship with the God of the universe who wants to be in a relationship with you so much so that he gave his only life. He gave his life. And he sacrificed himself on the cross so that for all of eternity, you and I would be able to spend eternity with him. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Praying for anybody in here today that does not know Jesus. Father in heaven, Lord God, we are so thanking you for the privilege of being here today. Thanking you for the opportunity to hear your word one more time. We want to take a moment to say thank you, God, for your great generosity and all of the wonderful blessings that you have given us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for our homes, our cars, our children, our families. There's so much that we have to be thankful for. But most of all, God, we are so grateful and thankful that we have a relationship with you. And so, God, more than anything else, I would trade everything that I have to ensure that my heart and my relationship is right with Jesus. What does it profit a man to gain the entire world but lose our soul? If you're here on today and you've heard the word of God and you've said, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to learn more about it. And I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Would you just lift your hands in the air? We're not going to call you to the front. We're not going to do anything special. We're not going to put a mic in your hand or anything. I see one in the back of here. Amen. We want to give that opportunity to give you the opportunity to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Is there anybody else that says, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the awesome privilege and for this soul that has dedicated their life to you today. 
There's no greater decision that we can make, God. There's no greater honor that can be given, Lord God, than for someone to enter into a covenant relationship with you. And so, God, we as the Unplugged Service, we vow, God, to wrap our arms around these individuals, God, to disciple them and train them up about what it means to be a son and daughter within the kingdom of God. Lord God, as we prepare to move into this change of soul, Lord God, we know that Unplugged is in good hands because it's in your hands. And so, God, we thank you for everything that you have done over the last year and month and that we have had this service. And we graciously, God, we offer it back up to you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 Would y'all put your hands together as Chaplain Nobles comes to the